0: Ach, ja. Der ja. Ja. Ja.
1: Hello and welcome to another episode of today's lesson, a Nick Cave podcast. I'm Andrew, and I'm Sean.
0: And uh, boy, it's uh, it's been a while, huh? That it has. I'm I'm a little sleepy. I just woke up. How long's it been? Years and years. <laughs> Nick Cave's a... released 15 new albums since we uh, entered our slumber. We've got a lot of catching up to do i uh yeah holy crap it it has been a while andrew how have you been what have you been doing in the interim well we've we've both been both been busy boys um you know both i think
1: dealing with some personal stuff some life stuff, but you know at a certain point we just we got that itch we've been itching we got that cave Nick cave monkey on our backs. And That's uh we're we're back. We're ready to talk to you about uh about some more uh, classic
0: tracks. Sean, how you been? I'm good. I've been I've been itching to get back to this so bad. I've got a rash. I've uh you no, know, as you said, <laughs> been doing some uh some personal stuff, some some life events came up, uh lots of um yeah, just lots of things to take up my time and my emotional energy. But like you said, the through line of this podcast has been something that I've thoroughly enjoyed for the entirety of the time we've been doing it. And uh, Nick Cave is an artist that, upon reflection each time I find myself in a period of such reflection, is a through line in my life. It's it's an emotional thing that I can always step away from and come back to pretty seamlessly. And I will say, over the past uh, many months it's been, I haven't listened to a whole lot of Cave. I'm, I'm worried about my Spotify status this year. But, uh, <laughs> this week, I knowing we were gonna do this, I listened to uh listened to watching Alice about a hundred times, and I think it's really done me good. Wow, that's dedication and a little concerning
1: <laughs> well, yeah. it
0: was in honor of her brushing her hair a hundred times I'm, <laughs> I'm just trying to get into the mind of the character as any good podcaster would
1: you're you're doing uh you're doing the work. You're putting in the putting in the time. Um, I know our listeners appreciate it. And speaking of listeners, we've got some exciting news to announce. Bum, 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 bum. We are going to be hunting one of our listeners for sport. Um, you thought the contest was something else, but nope. It's this, you fool. No, we got um, we got some really good responses from our contest, which uh, we are of course still honoring, even though it's been a long <laughs> time since we've announced it. Uh, and the winner of our contest, the winner of a Nick Cave record of their choosing, from Athens, Greece, Nick Polychronopoulos, Nick. We really appreciated your uh, letter that you wrote us, and uh, you took us to task a little bit. Uh, we were <laughs> we were we were not expecting a such a such a long and, and thoughtful response, but b um, some differing opinions, and we really uh, were were you know perhaps taken aback at first, but um, we're really really impressed with uh, the letter uh, we received.
0: absolutely and as I was telling you earlier Andrew I think the first time I opened the letter I was just I was beyond touched because I read probably down to the second paragraph and it you know had some really glowing stuff to say about our podcast and I just kind of smiled to myself and felt very bigly about me and uh what we do here and I I just kind of went ah what a nice man that is and uh then as you said Nick you were you were a little brutal on us but uh after my period of absolute rage at, at being attacked like that, I realized that's really what it's all about. Where we we want this discussion, we want these differing opinions, and and like you said, it's it's awesome to see um, someone come at the song in a in a different way than we did. Yeah, and that's what we're we're really kind
1: of looking to foster is these conversations, these um, entertaining these different perspectives. Yeah, I guess um we're not going to read the whole thing uh on air, but wanted to get into a couple of the points. First off, thank you. Thank you so much um, you know, for your kind words, for your appreciation for what we're doing. You know, this is a labor of love. And uh yeah, I think Sean and I are kind of in the same boat. Uh Nick mentions not having a lot of people in in, you know, personal life uh with whom they can share their love for Nick Cave. You know, I think we've maybe turned a couple people to our side, but I, we don't know a whole lot of of uh, of cave heads, as it were, uh, in our day-to-day.
0: Yeah, no, and that's uh, where it's it's so awesome. That was the other thing that kind of blew me away about this, seeing the, the postcode of Athens, Greece. It's, you know, we're yes. we're now talking to people all around the world. You don't have to go that far to find it a cave fan, but, you know, it, it's awesome to have a, what is now a global community. Around the podcast, and so that's it warms the cockles of my heart. Uh,
1: Fostering global community, we're uh, realizing initiatives all over the globe.
0: We are pulling together with uh, a good deal of synchronicity, and um, I'm losing all of my corporate lingo right now. That's a real shame. I do think it's <laughs> worth mentioning. Nick focused on the song Knockin' on Joe." I don't know if we mentioned that.
1: Yes. Yeah, um, so getting yeah, getting to. Um, you know, Nick's chosen chosen uh, topic. Knocking on Joe was a song that we talked about uh, when we were covering The Firstborn is Dead. And I think rightly so, he points out that maybe we were, you know, as we can be, um, you know, a little flippant, uh, you know, we we're having a little fun with this narrator and his sense of, of you know, maybe inflated importance, his woe is me kind of... Uh, it, it almost feeling like sort of a caricature of a uh a prisoner but uh and I, I don't think we were i think we were pretty big fans of the song it's a it's a song i really enjoy but uh yeah getting into the text of the letter he was uh he had some things to say and i don't think uh
0: i don't think he was off base no, not at all. And I, I, you know, reading this, I need to go back and listen to what it was we said, because I do have a very high opinion of this song, um, and especially the album. I, I really hope we got that across. Um, I know on my listen through, we started off, I started off, you know, with a little bit of trepidation, a little bit of hesitation, because this album didn't really register for a long time, but it was songs like Knocking on Joe that kind of pulled it through. And I, I really like the, the point that Nick brings up first in his letter about, you know, how we kind of took the idea of stereotypical lines in the song and used that as kind of a way to dunk on the, on the speaker as a way (laughs) to kind of write him off as a self-pitying caricature. But, uh, he points out that cave himself in an 88 interview said that, um, cliche is my game really, because I think there's a great deal of truth in cliches Mm -hmm. and, that is, there's a great deal of truth in that statement. <laughs> and um, I, I think that, we, I, I know I was a little bit off in, I do write things off when they're a cliche, but um, as Nick points out in his letter, he says, that, you know, there's a, there's a great deal of um, insight to be gained from a story that deals in that, a great deal of insight to be gained from a character like that. And I, I think that we came to that conclusion eventually, but uh coming into it, I think we did it with a little bit less reverence than perhaps was warranted. Yeah, I think that's a really good way to frame it.
1: Um yeah, and I think I think we were pretty fair with the song, but um, you know, we also like to have fun. We we love this stuff, obviously. So when we poke fun at at various things, um you know, it's 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 out of love. Very I, much I do so. want to follow up with a passage, um, from the letter uh, right after he mentions that cliche line uh, that i thought was really uh, well well written and beautiful nick uh, in his letter says and truly i believe wholeheartedly that only through the use of clichés could the tragic hero articulate properly the sacred passion he bore witness to the passion of standing alone midmost the conflict of what is and what ought to be the burden of that sacred yet secret knowledge of redemption and justice he attempts to share with the people about him, even in the last days and hours prior to his execution. You can run, you can hide, but you have yet to be tried. He repeats maniacally at the end. Yeah, just really, really beautiful, you know, uh, writing there. I think that there is a lot of underlying beauty here, underlying, um, sincere emotion that, that maybe. uh, when you hear the song and are talking about the song and there's you know, Nick's hamming it up a little bit vocally, but we we know Nick to to have created some really deep, verbose, uh, nuanced, ambiguous stuff. I think that while this is not all of those things, um, Cave was probably approaching it uh with a lot more intention that maybe shows up in the text of the song.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, and that's I think a good good point that goes along with the cliche aspect of it is that there's just so much loaded into these cliches that someone like Cave can throw it out there, and and without the intent of him, it could be cheap. But knowing the background, knowing the intent, knowing the context of the album, knowing all the stuff around it, um, it it becomes far meatier than uh, than perhaps it was at first glance um yeah I, I do want that was a beautiful passage you read from this letter and that was that was <laughs> not cave that was our our listener nick and i just want to say nick apologized at the end of the letter for not being a native english speaker and for grammatical errors and i just want to say fuck you nick because that's more eloquent than i could do so uh <laughs> yeah you know, you're right you're right beautifully no need to apologize
1: absolutely uh wonderful read it included some really interesting rankings of the songs on this album and the um studio albums in general uh if we can remember we'll bring up uh nick's rankings of uh tender prey when we get to the that portion of the album
0: absolutely yeah he got our asses he got our asses and i what i just want to point it out this is this is according to this ranking of all the albums that nick has done or the cave has done it's very confusing they're both called nick um that nick our listener has done your funeral my trial is his favorite album Well, that's another another thing for us to
1: apologize for uh, (laughs) is our, uh, you know, we love all these albums. They're all our our babies. But yeah, I think I think for both of us, that one um, grew a lot in our estimation as well as uh, The firstborn is Dead. Yeah. No. Cool. Well, yeah. Thank you, Nick. Uh, Obviously, we're going to reach out and figure out uh, the
0: best way to get your Brand new Nick Cave album to you. Thank you again for entering. And you you hit all the bases too, which has really blown me away. Um, you know, we said you could do you could write in and do a list, you could do a, a write up of your song favorite song, you could do an album ranking, whatever. And Nick did a write up of his favorite song, bled that into a write up of the whole album, gave us rankings for all of the studio albums of Nick Cave, and then gave us a ranking for all the songs on Tender Prey. So Nick, thank you for going above and beyond. Look forward to sending you your prize.
1: Absolutely. Well, well earned. Um, And thank you everyone who sent stuff in. We received a couple of really nice responses uh, that uh, we didn't mention, but we will uh, hopefully be uh, addressing one of them at some point in the future. Um, uh, One of the people we talked to is working on something very cool. Um, So really... Really awesome that we're uh, starting to get this reach, starting to be able to interact with people all over the world.
0: Um, yeah,
1: so thanks. Thanks, everyone. Really
0: appreciate it. And so that's catching up on a kind of podcast back business, but uh, Cave himself has been pretty active these past few months. He's, he's done a number of projects, uh, released a number of works under both uh, Bad Seeds and his own name, and, uh, and uh, so just to, just to jump right into that backlog, I think the most significant probably up to this point is uh, Seven Psalms, a collection of uh, spoken word, instrumental, uh, one could say songs, but I'm going to say psalms, as the album says. It's, it's seven short tracks of Nick uh, speaking speaking over music and, and saying very profound things. And I don't want to be too flippant about it, but uh, I will say it is not necessarily my style. And so it was it was a very light listen for me. I, I think I've given it two listens through uh, reading the general kind of internet room. I know people have been getting a lot out of it. And, you know, it's it's cool to see an artist being so open and, and so, so hopeful about the future and, and trying to give people something to think about like that but uh it was it was kind of a quiet little thing and honestly the price point for it kind of put me off a little bit I don't know I don't want to go too hard on it but uh as the as the major project between then and now I I don't know it was kind of a ah I'm being too hard <laughs> No I think that's I think that's fair I mean um
1: I I have not listened to it yet I think that we are not maybe at a place where those words will hit us like they may at a different time in our lives. And that's okay. Um I also think we're, we tend to be more interested in the more rich in a musical sense, kind of Nick Cave works. Uh, there are exceptions yeah. to that, obviously, but I think that uh, we are probably just not the target audience for seven Psalms, but I, we're really interested if if you know to keep up the spirit of collaboration if any of you have any anything to say about um, them cuz obviously it would be a while before we get there uh let
0: us yeah. know what you thought and uh perhaps forever until we get there was that actually a bad seeds release uh it's not i think we'll be we'll be touching on
1: certainly some things that are not exclusively bad seeds that's fair that's fair uh but yes it seems seems rather unlikely that we will live long enough to cover this man's extensive (laughs) discography because
0: he keeps uh, making,
1: making cool shit.
0: That's right. And we're racing up against a doom day glacier and various other natural calamities. So we'll see if we can beat that a race to the finish
1: next up kind of on our list here. Faith, hope and carnage. A new book is out now. Um, Again, not something I've uh, checked out to this point, but uh, seems interesting. Seems maybe a little more R-Speed. It's a conversation between Cave and journalist Sean O'Hagan, someone he's known for a great many years. Yeah, just basically shooting the shit about uh, all things grief,
0: art, running the gamut. That's right, just Cave Things, as his shop is titled. But uh, No, I'm 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 definitely gonna check that out. I, that yeah. that is actually very interesting to me. Um, another another pair of things that I'll probably end up checking out because I'm one of those people that finds themselves just staring at their television from time to time and and putting on whatever the streaming service I've turned on suggests to me. Um, Cave and I believe Warren Ellis, correct me if I'm wrong on that, but uh, did the soundtracks to uh, both Blonde, the Marilyn Monroe uh fictionalized biography true and story starring marilyn monroe that's it blunt true story starring marilyn monroe and uh dahmer the uh jeffrey dahmer starring jeffrey dahmer made- <laughs> starring <laughs> the actual jeffrey dahmer an incredible feat i don't know mm-hmm. how netflix did it but uh cave was there to score the whole thing and when i first heard of this i went oh really because I was reading about these things, and like I said, I'll probably check them out, but they didn't really draw me in, and there's enough kind of criticism of them for me to go, ah, it's questionable projects. But uh, given the subject matter we're talking about on these past few albums, it almost seems like Cave going back to his highly voyeuristic uh, murder-bound roots. <laughs>
1: yeah, Oh, that's a great point. I actually uh, was going to mention something along those lines myself. I mean, we have... Marilyn Monroe has been... Uh, name checked in Cave's music, and while, <laughs> while maybe less on brand now for Nick Cave, I you know, certainly Dahmer is uh, the kind of uh, <laughs> rascal you might find in a in an older <laughs> Cave piece. So yeah, I mean we I think are interested in those things mostly because of Cave and Ellis's involvement. Uh, more than anything but regardless uh branching out branching out and and working on very you know
0: uh, movies with a lot of buzz and projects with a lot of buzz a lot of hype the man's big the man has gotten very big so that's
1: nick cave news um you know we appreciate you listening to uh us kind of get our feet back under us as we sort of restart the podcast john you want to get into uh our song for today?
0: Hell yeah. Let's do it. We're just hopping right back in. Uh, as a quick recap, we're doing Tender Prey. We're just coming off of uh, track number three, Deanna. Huge banger. Big hit. Played all the time at his concerts. It's, it's one of the most noticeable and one of the most recognizable cave songs out there. Um, up there with the likes of Mercy Seat that we also talked about on this album and, and Red Right Hand and, and various other songs you'll see all over the place. Um, and we're kind of swinging down to a subtler bit here, a a quieter song that perhaps is something of a deep cut when it comes to Cave's works. Uh, watching Alice.
1: Yeah, and that's a great point and a great way to start us out. This song is much different than the three that have come before on the album. You know, we had uh, uh, Mercy Seat, which so claustrophobic musically, lyrically. Uh, Up Jump the devil, just a jaunty sort of, really vile <laughs> piece of imagery, but but really really fun. And then Deanna, you know, similarly fun but very raucous, very uh, gets your foot tapping. And Much yeah, like bombast. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's uh, this song's kind of a welcome reprieve. You know, and we're we're in the thick of spooky season uh, right now when we're recording, so it's a great way to celebrate. It's a gothy, mopey cave tune one you might might just find on the likes of uh, "From Her to Eternity."
0: Absolutely, it's. Um, I think we talked about this a little bit, though. You know, just as kind of a refresh to the seeds themselves on this album it's like a from her to eternity with a little light at the end or at least that that harsh edge of nihilism taken off of it where you know it's it's a pitiable thing rather than this rage filled insanity that we see in the earlier works it's it's all of that ennui just left with ennui and giving up rather than you know delving into one's mind and going psychotic or stalking somebody or anything it's well, we'll, we'll dig into the lyrics and we'll see but it's it's interesting it's in a more it's in a happier key there's brighter the the song is brighter it's much slower and much yeah. sadder in that way it's it, i don't know easier to just kind of be melancholy about it whereas the earlier work very very similar but uh very angry yeah yeah well put i mean i think
1: that's that's right on the money um yeah in like you said we'll get into the lyrics but um yeah definitely not not um unfamiliar territory for what we've heard with Cave but certainly certainly a more mature as much as this subject matter can be a more mature uh interpretation of you know maybe a, a Nick Cave narrator classic
0: absolutely so yeah let's jump into it what uh what struck you about the music couple of things the first being just the real down tempo nature of it. I mm. I attempted to listen to it over and over and over again, as I usually do with these songs while running. Um, and up to this point, it's been pretty okay to do that on repeat for an extended period of time. Uh, I do not recommend anyone do that with this song. This was <laughs> this was a very difficult song to run to uh, because there's just there's very little to grab onto. It's it's piano. It's it's sludgy like you said it's just kind of like a a slow downtrodden goth ballad um the second thing that struck me is i love the harmonica that rips in it's uh it's a little i don't know dylan style solo that comes in to to accent i think the second verse or the third verse (laughs) um and it's probably it's the biggest you know pick me up we get in the whole song but uh, I love it it's it's not necessarily unique, but it is unique in the way that we see it in this song i haven't I haven't heard something like that yet.
1: yeah, I would say just the playing of the harmonica it's, itself is pretty unorthodox um whether that's perhaps a lack of formal training or you know the intended sort of you know blixifying or or ambience creating um it does take you off guard a little bit. it's not um. It's not what i would call melodic uh but it just fits really well i mean it,
0: it really makes the end of the song really strong
1: is it at the end of the song
0: it's towards the end towards that's why the end i the couldn't song? i couldn't remember which verse is in between but it's it's yeah. in one of the reprieves where it just kind of comes in and and carries us along
1: and like uh the song before it deanna this is kind of a smaller group of seeds performing on this song uh it's a cave Cave lyrics, cave music, track, uh, but he's accompanied by Mick Harvey on bass, Thomas Wiedler on drums, and guest guitarist Hugo Race playing the kind of, uh, you know, heat wave, summery, shimmery, weird guitar uh, that sort of is of a piece with the harmonica, just very... uh, very much sets a certain mood rather than being a rather than being a catchy, melodic toe tapping uh, accompaniment.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, and just, as you said, it's a smaller group and it is reflected in this music is very spare, very sparse. Yeah. And um, it works with the subject matter. I mean, they've, they've gone and done it again and created the, the ambiance with the music told the story through the music. Um, And it, I think, all comes together to lend itself to what is ultimately a very very melancholy very pitiable scene yeah absolutely
1: uh do you want to get into these really sweet
0: charming lyrics let's do it these these lovely lovely forlorn love lorn lyrics and so beginning first one where we just kind of start setting the scene uh alice wakes it is morning she is yawning as she walks across the room, her hair rolls down her breast, she is naked, and it is June. is uh Yeah, no, setting the scene. Andrew, do you do you get anything else out of this? Uh yeah, I think verse one essentially is just it's
1: simple, innocent. You know, we have the 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 more sensual kind of imagery, the hair rolling down her breast, naked. But even without a second character or an observer present, I feel like this narration is is a little telling uh, for what's to come. Just the idea of cave himself setting the scene, making it pretty explicit that you know this person is a sensual being uh, is loaded in its own way, but that's just that's just reading into basically what is the
0: the set dressing at this point. Yeah, hundred percent. It's um, and it's interesting. We don't have a don't have an observer yet, but it kind of forces you into the spot of the observer. Yeah. So it's it's the sort of thing we're knowing, you know, where we're coming from. It is almost to me a little uncomfortable that that sensuality is kind of infused into this at this point because I'm just on edge. It's like, where is he going to take this? Where does this go from here?
1: Yeah, we're not on um, video, but my face is so
0: bright red right now. Just I'm so embarrassed. I hear the word breast and I just can't talk for a good five minutes. It's rough. We just get flustered. It's too much. I get the vapors. I'm, um, I, I do like the line. It is June. Um, it reminds me of, Oh, Billy Madison. Um, at the beginning of the movie, Billy Madison with Adam Sandler. This is a great comparison. Um, they ask him what day it is, and I think uh, the guy in the pool says uh, October, and it just kind of sets that scene where, at least whoever is is, is singing, or perhaps Alice herself, or perhaps the observer putting that on to Alice, time is almost irrelevant. Time is is something to be measured in months because you know there there's so little to fill the days, um, or there is you know so little of of remark about their lives that again you don't say it oh it's monday or it's you know whenever it's it's morning you can kind of tell that and it's somewhere near the middle of the year so yeah i think that
1: that that um does paint uh who we eventually meet the observer the narrator that does paint him i think in that sort of light where you know maybe time is just crawling and uh has no form or or
0: structure. Yeah.
1: Yep. I also,
0: I do have to say, uh, when I was writing my first notes for this back in March before we took our hiatus, I have a beautiful insight here. June, the sixth month of the year. (laughs) (laughs) Damn. I was being a smart ass to myself. (laughs) Yeah, it is interesting coming back
1: to these notes after a long time. There were so many things I just did not Did not understand and probably
0: wouldn't have understood a week later, Uh, but here we are. Yeah. No, I kept it simple. I also put, for she is yawning, sleepy exclamation point. (laughs) An important point to make time and time again. (laughs) That's the today's lesson difference. (laughs) That's what people are tuning in for. Moving on to verse two. Standing at the window,
1: I wonder if she knows that I can see watching Alice rise year after year up in her palace. She's captive there. So here we have our introduction to uh, character. The second, the, the observer as we've been calling him uh, the narrator. He is uh, standing at a window watching her or Uh, she is standing at the window. Potentially you, you read my mind. (laughs) It is, Not necessarily clear, um, especially to this point, what his vantage point is, which I found really interesting after just having such a clear image of what this was in my head. Um, Hmm. But there isn't a lot of uh, information about where our viewer is looking from. So uh, while we do have the up in her palace she's captive there so obviously he's looking from the outside in you know what is he just on the street is he in the bushes is he in his own uh you know in his own apartment place house whatever um all we know is that uh this person is seeing alice and is likely not uh in clear view as he doesn't know whether she knows that he's there but just some interesting kind of uh spatial reckoning that clearly doesn't have too much bearing on the song, but uh was something that
0: I noticed going through this time, yeah, very interesting, very very interesting um and i I like the vantage point comment. I never really thought about that, but I've always pictured in my mind he's he's in an apartment of his own, kind of looking up into a window with Alice standing there changing totally what i what I'd been, yeah. From window to window, but yeah, it's not. Yeah, Alice Rising year after year too. This has been going on for a while, and uh, that that also just kind of sets the scene. That's why I think it's an apartment, I guess. That kind of adds to that is that you know they're both stuck in there, in whatever um, location they have based on their means, or you know perhaps he's there for Alice, but believes that Alice herself is trapped whether or not she is, whether she's captive or he's captive. And again, he's projecting that onto her. I don't know. We just don't know yet. All things you gotta,
1: gotta consider, especially when we're as well versed in these narrators as,
0: as, uh, <laughs> all the other Nick cave fans at this point. That's right. And he's a cl- I mean, he's just, he's a classic narrator. It one of those. Absolutely. Cave characters.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I mean, obviously the menace and, uh, sort of seething nature of the (laughs) from her to eternity character is not present. Uh, This is a little, as we'll see a little sweeter and understated to the extent it can be still gross and menacing, but um, yeah, the, the, like you said, the rise year after year, you know, this is a long and sick fascination and I think we can probably safely throw this guy into the, the bad pile uh, the, yeah this guy's a this guy's a damn bad seed you know <laughs> but um i don't know that necessarily this is the same thing as from her to eternity and i think that distinction should be should be uh yeah made clear
0: yeah me let, let me throw this at you too because i i don't know i've just never gotten the terribly bad vibe off of this it's it's uncomfortable for sure but 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 Imagine someone in an apartment who has nothing going on in their life, measures the time by months, and every morning just, you imagine, know, <laughs> look around you, look, imagine you had a view or I had a view into a different apartment. Um, if, you know, he gets up in the morning, has his own routine sitting at a table and can't help but see this person in this window. does does that change the algebra at all does that change the equation at all and it just happens to be something he keeps doing notices these things but you know i I think in my mind i draw that comparison to that from her to eternity narrator where this guy is not that he he's simply he's stuck in a life that's clearly you know based on the music and what we're seeing so far um at least monotonous and at least feels like a prison to him but um I'm not sure there's that like malicious perversion. I don't, I don't know if he's going out of his way necessarily to see these things. I think, I think that's a
1: good point and a good thing to bring up. I mean, yeah, obviously on the, the continuum we have of these characters, you know, in, uh, from her to eternity, from potentially the mercy seat, people that have clearly done horrific things. Um, you know, this this guy's looking pretty okay and, and we'll sort of get to get to that as we go. I do think though that it is really a a some it's one of those things uh that you see in a lot of literature or or music or the arts where the idea of it is very romanticized and in that mm-hmm. I think is charming. And I think that probably the reality of it is a lot more disturbing and a
0: lot more grim, <laughs> absolutely,
1: but i do think I do think there is beauty in this song. I think it's totally fair to be pretty skeezed out by it as well
0: absolutely, and that's I think that's where I'm landing I think is somewhere in the middle is that you know I don't know if this is romanticizing it because the narrator I think is clearly just sad as hell. Um, but it's not skeezing me out in the same way as, you know, the active insanity that we've seen before. I think I'm just landing somewhere in the, this, this gray area where it's just like what it is. I don't know. It's, it's odd. It's ambiguous to me and not to defend this activity. If you have someone that you can see naked every day, <laughs> don't look at them. Stop that. It's, yeah, don't be um, Don't be weirdo don't be a fucking weirdo that's weird to do but at the same time if you if you do it and it's been years and your life's kind of like this i don't know yeah it's understandable that this guy with whatever emotional problems he has
1: you know maybe this is the closest he could ever get to anything sensual you know
0: yeah yep yeah
1: not not letting this person off the hook uh but uh definitely it's it's more nuanced than some of the stuff we've talked about thus far and i think that's an important distinction
0: and it goes back i think to the maturity you were talking about i think that's one of the signs of maturity is that it's not clear <laughs> it's not just yeah. smacking you over the head with something
1: yeah exactly sean we should get we should move in across the street from each other <laughs> take turns being alice <laughs> <laughs> Take turns being Alice. Just kind of let it all hang out. That's right. And just wonder if the other person can see us there. And we'll write. We'll each write a song about it, and uh,
0: throw a rock with it attached through each other's windows. I'll I'll just leave it when I'm sneaking in through your window and taking pages out of your journal. We'll save money on the on the glass. Yeah. No, I'm not going to break anything, but. I'm going to be in your apartment all the time looking through your shit. Let's
1: make this happen. Let's talk about this after the show. John, you want to take verse three?
0: I would love to. Um, Alice's body is golden Brown. Her hair hangs down as she brushes it 100 times. She first, she pulls her stockings on and then the church bell chimes. I, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's more description of Alice. Um, it is more focus on her hair. Uh, I think that this this kind of puts her as either standing at the window or sitting at a table at the window um, brushing her hair almost obsessively or just I know that that used to be a thing. Like, you were supposed to brush your hair a hundred times. I don't know if that has any basis in scientific fact that that helps your hair do anything special. Um but then you know she she gets dressed and it's the top of an hour sometime in the morning what uh yeah anything yeah. anything deeper than that
1: uh i do want to start out by saying that golden brown is a weird way to describe anything except for food it is <laughs> it always kind of <laughs> weirds me out hearing it as a description <laughs> of
0: well, well i guess this <laughs> but bodybuilders I will say, I think golden brown always reminds me of one of those dudes that just has like muscles on his muscles, oiled and greased and standing there in a tiny little Speedo, golden brown, (laughs) flexing. That's the color I think of. (laughs) That's right. I don't know. It just makes me think of like,
1: I don't know, food (laughs) and not, I don't know, I can't Sean, I'm thinking about food right now too. I full dude, disclosure, I'm hungry. I'm hungry.
0: I got. I can smell the pancakes that are ready for me right now, and uh, I'm jonesing. I'm a little hungry. Um, it, they're probably golden brown. Peek behind the curtain. It is not
1: pancake time. It is well evening. You don't have to tell everyone. I just. <laughs> I we're not waking with Alice. We're we're winding down. <laughs> That's
0: right. Well, again, trying to get into the head of the character, I had to pretend it's morning right now. <laughs> you made the pancakes for <laughs> so this reason. And your pancakes naked. and bacon. And I'm naked and I'm brushing my hair. <laughs> what do you
1: want? Um, No, I don't. I You know, verse three, there's a couple things. And, and this song does have a lot of ambiguity, uh, not just in the relationship of the two characters, spatially or or where they are, who they are, the idea of the church bell and the stockings, you know, getting ready for something, maybe it is church, maybe, maybe it's school, maybe it's a job. Um, You know, we'll get more into that. But he has observed this person's very personal, very uh, unique routine, uh, getting up in the morning. So he, he, not just with the year after year, but we know this is a long term fascination. This is something that is uh is obsessive certainly and the the only other thing i really have for that verse just the idea of pulling stockings on and then the church bell chimes certainly that could be like a, a church or catholic uniform school uniform whatever with the stockings but just the idea of the stockings and then the church bell and her body and her hair it feels very um like a dichotomy between this corporeal sensual if you want to read it that way uh, routine or perceived you know perceived sensuality by this onlooker and then the church bell then the the uh, religious maybe conservative sort of uh, setting
0: God is always there gotta remember no yeah. matter what <laughs> um no and, and the bell chiming I mean is always important to Kate. we see this so much um from you know stuff we've talked about well and misery bells of whoredom in your funeral Maw trial yes um later on in let love in we got the jangling wedding bells in opium tea we got the bells ringing out um <laughs> let the it's bells just, ring let the bells ring the mission bells in loom of the land we got grinder miss bell ringer blues like this dude won't fucking stop talking about bells ringing um, if i
1: may say nick is fucking batshit crazy
0: about bells (laughs) man he loves them he loves bells loves a good bell in each song they mean something different it's like their celebration their warning their call to action they're all this stuff and i think here um you said it they're they're a marker of routine you know this is something that happens every day for years and the thing that also happens on the dot every day for years while this is all happening is this you know reminder that that god is always present this reminder of the routine of the day that time is passing that you know there. are all of these all of these things that this bell would entail and and kind of imply to the people hearing it um in the song and uh ultimately the inevitability of the divine and uh you know our our pitiable characters living in that shadow i don't know yeah it's uh yeah it's a totally. it's a demarcation for sure. I do want to go back to golden Brown, though completely errant as observation, but um not only do I think of of oil bodybuilders when I hear <laughs> golden Brown and beautiful pancakes sizzling on the stove, but um, the strangler's song, golden Brown, is one of my favorite songs and is a is a reference to heroin it's It's about someone chasing the dragon. Um, and trying to capture, you know that that joy that they felt at one point, but ultimately sinking into the melancholy of of losing out on that high and and just kind of a loose tie, a, a grasp at a straw of that drug addiction theme. There is nothing else to support that in here except for this phrase. Um, but I don't know if Gabe was a fan of the Stranglers or this song, but it could be where the terminology sprang from. Um. Yeah, it it would change the song entirely in my eyes, but uh it was the only other thing I could think of when I when I saw this odd phrasing. Uh, yeah,
1: certainly, certainly, lots of room for interpretations, and we know, you know, at the time, some of Nick's proclivities, and and yeah, definitely. I I think of tempura mostly. <laughs>
0: That's a... Oh man, now I'm really hungry. Yeah. <laughs>
1: We better, get, uh, we better get to verse four, then. We really need to be moving on. Um, Alice's body laundry? is like a rack of tasty barbecued ribs. <laughs> like shrimps and
0: pancakes. <laughs> oh, man, uh, tempura pancakes.
1: <laughs> verse four. Alice climbs into her uniform, zippers on the side, watching Alice dressing in her room. It's so depressing, it's cruel, watching Alice dressing in her room. it's so depressing, it's true, yeah, it's it's very and this is this is the end of the song, very anticlimactic, I would say it is sort of yeah. sort of an end point, you know, you got the denouement of the song, but really it's just more continuation of observing this routine and then boom. Yeah, no turn.
0: There's no reveal. A rare no turn cave. Straight ahead, mm-hmm. straight into nothingness forever. Uh what do you make of what do you make of uh, some of this imagery? Um well, I, you know, the most tangible thing I could grab onto was her uniform, trying to figure out what it is Alice actually does. Um Yeah, I had a lot of fun with that myself. <laughs> I did as well. What uh what do you think Alice does for a living?
1: Uh beekeeper is actually what I found uh for sure 100% beekeeper
0: that's verified in in an interview or a written document from Nick
1: (laughs) yeah with a beekeeper
0: (laughs) with my friend uh
1: (laughs) Jonas the beekeeper
0: that's right an apiarist is that what a beekeeper is
1: uh they just says beekeeper
0: that's fair. We'll just say beekeeper. Usually, um, he's
1: usually covered in bees, so it's hard to hear <laughs> what he's
0: saying. <laughs> and it's so sad. He looks at her getting into this uniform, and he knows that she maybe she's allergic to bees, and he just knows what that's like for her. Could be the last. Could be her last day on the job. Every day, every day, she dances with that. Um, my, I, I first thought, you know, a go-go dancer potentially uh, a prostitute, potentially like a, like a side zipping dress of some sort. Mm. Um, But then I found a hundred percent what I know her to be is a mascot uh, like Grimace or the Philly fanatic um, getting into her costume every day. And uh, you know, he just, he watches this happen (laughs) and uh, I'm pretty positive. That's how this goes. So it's pretty sad. Yeah. Uh for me, I, I think those
1: those first couple points were a good guess. Uh you know, we, we really don't know. There's the church imagery, is this some kind of school uniform, uh you know, Catholic uniform? Yeah, yeah, just uh, sort of another quotidian uh task that she has to do to get ready and he is observant. He knows the zippers are there on the side. He's seen it year after year, potentially. Hundreds of times. Maybe at yeah. the maybe at the big game when she's right. uh, riding a unicycle,
0: he goes to every game and he just sees how people treat her, the things that get thrown at her.
1: Uh, it's so depressing. It's cruel. It's so depressing. It's true. He is, you know, trapped. It seems like I, I. Part of me wonders, you know, if this narrator is maybe unable to leave his room due to a a disability of sorts is this all he has is this his only window is this his square foot of sky to bring it back to knocking on joe is he in prison like what is the you know where is he there's so much ambiguity and so much um so many different avenues you could run with this
0: yeah um and and also is it you know is it is he the object of the cruelty? Is he the object of the depression? Or is he projecting that onto Alice? Does he believe that she is in a life that is depressing and cruel? And is he feeling sympathy for her? Is he feeling empathy for her situation or her perceived situation? And that I'm assuming at this point that he does not know Alice um, in any real way. But uh, strikes me that he could be commenting on her life from his vantage point that, you know, he really doesn't know the truth of that's a great point and i i shit i
1: didn't even think about like how does he know this person's name is alice <laughs> like he wow. may not it may just be the may just be a codename um codename alice <laughs> uh coming this fall watching uh, codename alice
0: <laughs> it didn't really he's just watching
1: a tv show <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh uh, so... that's why it's at the same time every day <laughs> shit <laughs> it's a it's a soap it's on in the morning that's right it's just the intro that she brushes her hair and gets dressed
1: <laughs> <laughs> um you you had uh potentially some insight into why
0: this is alice if i'm not mistaken I did, and so did a little digging and um, couldn't find anything really directly referential to the song necessarily in interviews or, or literature, um, save that there was a limited release uh, pressing of what were called, I believe, art records um, from Cave a couple years ago. And among those songs I was Watching Alice, and these records had pictures of cute animals on them. Um, you know, reenacting in a typically obscure and perpetually cavean manner. The essence of those songs was the way he described it. And uh, for watching Alice, he said that this is a sexualized rabbit um, from looking, <laughs> you can look up, you can look up the art itself. I didn't really see anything sexual about the rabbit. I don't know how cave sees rabbits um, in general, but it's Brown and it's wearing red overalls and standing in a field um, in front of a little church and smiling. So, take from that what you will. Um, but the rabbit kind of ties it for me back to, um, what, what little else I found, uh, perhaps being about Lewis Carroll's relationship with Alice Liddell, the girl that he famously wrote Alice in Wonderland about, um, doesn't necessarily make a whole lot of sense because it's a brown rabbit in the art. Um, you know, and Alice was young and pale and I believe the rabbit was white and Alice in Wonderland, all this stuff. But, but still Lewis Carroll, for those who don't know, you know, grew up around this, this little girl and watched her from a distance year after year, um, in a very weird and, and sexualized way. And so I don't know, maybe this is about a rabbit that cave wanted to have sex with or, or something along the (laughs) lines. That's the conclusion from, (laughs) from that research. That's right. I, I don't believe I'm confused, um, but also, <laughs> where am I? Um, no, I think
1: I think just um, you know Alice, you know in in literature is a loaded loaded name. Uh, you have Lewis Carroll's uh, interesting situation, you know, behind the the conception of of some aspects of those works, uh, and then you know the image of the rabbit. I think all those things link together in a way that is maybe not necessarily vital to our interpretation of the text
0: but it's really i mean it seems like too much to be an accident right and so this is kind of where the projection of the or my, my read into the projection of the speaker kind of came in is is thinking about alice from alice in wonderland chasing the rabbit mm. but what if from an observer's standpoint it could be could be seen that alice is um inseparable from the rabbit in that if somebody observing what was happening to Alice didn't see the rabbit they'd see Alice doing the same thing that the rabbit does such that um the observer then seeing this happen day after day and this person you know chase this thing that they're chasing but end up in the same place that they started and never actually go on an adventure go through the looking glass like Alice did um, that could be incredibly depressing, and so this could be a twist on that on that tale, and that it's not necessarily just following Alice through this fantastical adventure. It's somebody watching someone that they're looking at as Alice from Alice in Wonderland. Just you know, every time they go down the rabbit hole again, it's recursive. It's a Groundhog Day sort of effect where nothing special happens, and that magic doesn't exist. And so in their mind, they see Alice, the rabbit, one in the same, going on this adventure and getting nowhere. Um, which is about as far as I took that thread. So, damn, yeah. Take from that as you will. Yeah,
1: and I, I think there's there's some interesting other stuff. You know, with the, you know, she she brushes her hair. You know, probably looking in a mirror, standing at the window. You're looking through, you know, looking glass in a sense. Palace. You know, yeah. There's there's some Alice in Wonderland imagery kind of uh, popping through here. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, you gotta have a, a little uh, illusion check with your with your knit cave works it's always 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 there always popping in
0: when you least expect it names are very important to him um and just a little bit actually I, I do have some context here for the rest of those album art uh pressings the um stranger than kindness was one of them which was an odd pick but uh, that was a sad elephant balancing on a stage and uh, sad waters was another and that was a cat stepping into a river. And so... So these uh, are just... In summation, <laughs> Stranger yes. Than Kindness, reg- disregard what we said previously, it's about a sad elephant balancing on a stage. And Sad Waters is about a cat going into a river. And uh, all other answers are incorrect. Well, we tried, you know. We
1: That's the thing. We're We're open to being corrected. So reach out, you know, if you... If we are told through images of things uh to buy what the <laughs> answers are to what we had you know spent no small amount of time researching and and uh trying to reason out just let us know you know if you if we find out red right hand is about um a lobster <laughs> uh before we get to that episode
0: we pro- we reserve the right to skip it entirely it's about a lobster we do <laughs> We can save ourselves a lot of time if you just call, if you just write us and tell us that this is about something very simple like these, like these things.
1: Yeah, we'll just do the intro theme and the outro theme back to back. That's that
0: episode right there. It's perfect. It's a perfect scenario for us. Um, And and one last thing to stick in here at the end, I did find a brief Q and A where someone asked specifically about this song. I can't remember. I think this was a magazine, an interview. Um, I can't remember the exact source, but Cave mascots to that monthly, <laughs> they were doing a uh, yeah an issue about all the different songs that have referenced various mascots throughout history, <laughs> and uh, to the question of what inspired watching Alice and why don't you play it more often, he said, "Well, the Philly frenetic or fanatic," and uh, to the to the question of why he doesn't play more often. He says that I'm a songwriter, a storyteller, and hence a voyeur, and that's what all my songs are about. <laughs> so with that, perhaps we're just overthinking all of this.
1: I, Yeah. So, I mean, certainly there's some tenuous connections with, you know, with comparing it to another text like Alice in Wonderland or Alice Through the Looking Glass or all that stuff. But like, he's just going to give his flippant answers, and he doesn't yeah. always say exactly what he intends to say. I think more so now. He is open to talking about that kind of stuff, but he's, you know, in the past given some pretty flippant answers and probably would hate to have to go too deep into, A, the meaning of these songs, and B, why why some of them are worthy of being played, why some are not. Like, that's kind of his choice, and yeah, if you play it live, watching Alice isn't exactly going to get everybody, like, bouncing, yeah, or be um, recognizable
0: a, enough to like break it down and be quiet with everyone for a bit. It's yeah.
1: Yeah, it doesn't have the, the gravitas a lot of the other songs have earned, uh the quiet ones. But I, I I love this song. I think it's really great. Um I wouldn't say it's one of my favorites on this album. Um, like it's probably not top three, but it is one that i think about when i think about this album for sure every time it's like oh that's the one with you know mercy seat deanna the hits and then some of the more um you know the moody stuff there's some really good moody stuff on this album it's not all barnstorming toe tap and hoedown type shit it's uh i don't know there's something really beautiful and magical about this song
0: yeah it's it's reminiscent to me of um a lot of your funeral my trial or at least that vibe, um, and I think that this adds a good deal of personality to an album that you know, up to this point we've had three bangers, but if it kept on that course, I'm not sure what the album as a whole would really feel like to me. And so this is a nice step down into the rest of it and into, I think the overall emotion and concept that he was going for with the album as a whole rather than, Again, sticking with those those kind of hits, those bangers that, that stand out but don't necessarily cohere with the rest of it. This very much coheres with, I think, what's, what's to come on the rest of the album.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I, that's a great point. I mean, this is the follow-up to Your Funeral My Trial, and it's very different. Like, it feels more raw up to this point. I would say, like, it seems to have most in common with uh, the first album, uh, up to this point but this one does yes. feel like it, it carries on sort of a through line from um to an extent firstborn is dead but very much uh your funeral
0: no yep.
1: yeah uh well that's our uh that's our catch-up episode uh thanks for your patience waiting uh we are not returning to any kind of regular schedule at this point yet um maybe that's just kind of how this is going to happen um But we do have the intent of riding this wave and continuing to put stuff out as soon as we can. So thank you for being patient. Thank you for listening. Um, We're very excited to keep going on this journey. Some of the best stuff is ahead for the next episode. You should be listening to track five from this album, Tender Prey. It's called Mercy. Sean, where can they find
0: us? Well, let's see if i can remember all of this please um as we as we called out at the beginning of this episode uh we love to hear from people you can trash us you can praise us you can you can just send us reminders to renew our auto insurance i i just love hearing from you and so please 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 um reach out share your thoughts share your feelings especially anyone new to the podcast who has in this hiatus kind of you know jumped in and caught up i know you're out there we we see our statistics people all over the world have been listening and so we'd love to hear from you please join our global community let's come together to make change
1: (laughs) yeah we've 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 seen a really nice uptick in uh, people engaging with us people sending stuff in so just keep it up we we really appreciate it Uh, even if we're even if we're being called uh, some really horrific things
0: that's uh, (laughs) just part of the part of the deal Part of the pact we've made, and so where can you actually reach out and let us know how you feel well you can you can send us an email today's lesson pod at gmail dot com you can find us on twitter tweet at us at today's lesson pod or if you like what we're doing and want to support us uh, financially always welcome please uh reach out on patreon patreon dot com slash today's lesson until next time
1: we never we still we never figured anything out
0: oh fuck you God damn it. It's all coming back. Oh shit. Uh, um fuck me. Fuck. Oh piss. Damn it. <laughs> shit. All right.
1: Until well, next time, I'm Andrew and I'm Sean.
0: Keep listening. And <laughs> I and this has been today's lesson. <laughs> <laughs>